0: You're listening to the Centre Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. This month, we've been going through the five heart attributes of the church, and uh, as I've shared each week, these these are things that are core values that, as a church, we build the vision off of. It helps us set direction, and it just helps us understand what is our priorities. Um, because in knowing how to go forward, we need to know what we're about, what are the things that are most important to us. And so, we started this month looking at first the the one of enlarging, that God has not called us to keep the good news to ourselves, but called us to go into all the world, right? There has to be an outworking nature of the church. We are not just a good kind of nice social club that we would have together on Sundays, having our life groups, but actually the church has been called to extend the kingdom of God. So, our first heart attribute is reaching out, is, is moving beyond the four walls of the church and, and touching the community in which we're in, both on a local front, but then also God's called us to mission beyond our own communities of Burgess Hill and Brighton. The church is then, we looked at enabling. Our mission is not just to have people, you know, God didn't call us to make converts, but He's called us to make disciples. And the church is to enable people to become like jesus to become his disciples and to be a disciple is someone who is continually learning to be like the teacher not just learning from the teacher but learning to be like the teacher to imitate the teacher and so as a church our our our, our aim as a as a body is for all of us to continue to become more and more like him to be his disciples to be growing in the fullness of what he has for us we then look at the this, the third word of empowering each of us has a part to play in the body of Christ. The church is called to be empowered to fulfill our potential. Each of you has that part to play. And so we looked last week in particular at the, the, the five loaves and two fishes and this understanding that it starts from this willingness to, to, to offer up what we've got, right? Jesus sent out the disciples to find out what was, what was on hand, what was, how much food was there amongst the 5,000 men plus women and children? And all they brought back was five loaves and two fish. There was more food in that group of people than that. But there was one boy who was willing to give what he had. God isn't concerned about quantity, but He is concerned about our willingness to offer what we do have. And again, as a church, it's, we're, we're here to empower you to be who God wants you to be in this context. And be part of His body To fulfill His purposes, again, not just even in this body, but God's purposes in your life. It takes a willingness, but it also takes a faith that God can use what we've given. And sometimes, again, we hold back because we think, well, it's only this. I I only got this talent or I I only think I can do this. And sometimes we disqualify ourselves before we even engage because we think, who am I? Actually, God sees exactly who you are. He knows exactly what He's put in you. And if you're called to be part of this body, then you've got a part to play. The third part of it is obedience. Simply doing what God asks you to do, even if we don't understand how it's all going to pan out. God is not looking for us to have all the answers. He told the disciples to feed the multitude, and they had no food. He asked them to do something that was impossible right from the onset. God calls us to this impossible task of fulfilling His will. And when Jesus speaks, He speaks in the realm that we cannot fulfill. But what He does ask is that we're just obedient to do what He does say. And what we do see in the story is that the disciples just, they kept doing what Jesus had asked. find out how much food there is. Okay, get everyone to sit down. Okay, we're going we're to serve the food. And I'm all the while they're wondering, what on earth, Jesus? There's still not enough. We've only got this little, little lunch. But they... They simply do what God is, what Jesus was asking of them. And as a result, this supply was made that more than enough was provided. More than enough. There were 12 basketfuls left over. Today we're looking at our fourth heart attribute of the church and its encountering. Can I just tell you that we are a church that believes in the moving and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I make no apologies to that. We believe in that the Holy Spirit has been given and been poured out to all flesh. It wasn't just for the time of the apostles. It wasn't just for a time in history. But actually, what we see in the book of Acts, what we see uh, in Joel, is for us today. It is for you and I to take hold of, to grab hold of. And as a church, we seek to encounter the Holy Spirit in our meetings together and in our daily lives. And it, it, it's, it's not something that... Uh, we keep in the back corner of our theology, but actually it's a primary part of our theology. I can do nothing without His Spirit working in and through my life. It is, the Holy Spirit is not just this add-on, a bolt-on to kind of our understanding, but actually the Holy Spirit is, has everything to do with how I live and walk out my, my Christian walk. It has everything to do with it. And so it starts, though, with this understanding that we are the dwelling place for God's Spirit. In Romans 8, verses 19 to... Sorry, 8 verse, sorry, Romans 8, 9 to 11. It's on the screen. Now, I have an older version of the NIV, so it reads a slightly different. It says, you, however, are controlled, not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give, you, give life to your mortal, body, your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Now, I've emphasized in you. Where does the Holy Spirit reside? In us, in me. The Holy Spirit isn't just some kind of strange phenomenon that we can only experience with candles and some kind of sacred music. No, the Holy Spirit lives in me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it reads this way. This context is talking about sexual immorality, but we still see the same premise. It says, verse 19, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God's with your body. You and I are the dwelling places for God's Spirit. And as a church, we believe that when we give our lives to Jesus, His spirit comes and rests in our lives as part of our lives. The spirit that God gives is part of the rebirth. Being born again is not something that is, is through our own process of kind of understanding. But when we say yes to Jesus, when we come to that place of saying, God, I give you everything I've got. Lord, I'm going to surrender my life to you. At that point of putting our faith in Jesus, His spirit comes and moves in us and His spirit is who brings the new life. Just the knowledge of Jesus is not enough. People theologically or with their own minds understand Christianity, but actually it's the spirit that brings the life. I can't bring life to death. Can you? No, we can't do it. How can I bring a change in my spirit when my spirit man is dead? I can't do that. But when I take that step of faith and put my hope in him, it's the spirit of God that comes and dwells in me. In fact, we were transformed by this, this by the Spirit. We become His vessels, and He brings this transformation from the inside out. And that's the great thing about serving Jesus, is that He doesn't require us to come somehow work at it in our own strength, but He actually he has given us His Spirit. So all we have to do in Galatians 5 is we just have to we have to surrender to the Spirit. We have to Live by the Spirit. And we don't actually, de- we won't gratify our sinful nature. It's just so simple because the Spirit gives us the power to overcome sin. The Spirit dwells in us. We are the temple. But in fact, He also encourages us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5 verse 18, it says, Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're told in Acts 1, 1.5 uh, to be baptized. In the Holy Spirit. It's, which other means to be submerged to, in the Holy Spirit. The question is for you and I though. What difference does the Spirit actually make in our lives? Is He really that important? The work of the Holy Spirit. Can I just do a quick run through of the work of the Holy Spirit? I know I've done this in the past. But I, I think it's important for us to grab the the breadth of how much the Holy Spirit is at work in us or can be can I tell you what the, the Holy Spirit is been given as a counselor he's the one that leads us into all truth you know when Jesus came he was Jesus was was the advocate or the one that would stand between us and the Father right declaring that we are in him but actually, the Holy Spirit does the opposite. The Holy Spirit stands between the Father and us, declaring to our spirits that we are His. The Holy Spirit's outwork the other way around. That we understand. We can hear the thoughts of God because the Spirit allows us to hear the thoughts of God. It's it's suddenly we we have an understanding that we don't we wouldn't otherwise have. And so the Holy Spirit is important. If we want to understand the truth of God's word, we need the Spirit of God. We can't do it on our own. If I look at the Bible, if I look at His Word and I try to understand it in my own strength, my own kind of wisdom, I'll fall short. But it's the Holy Spirit that leads me into truth. The Holy Spirit also gives this power to be a witness. In Acts verse 1 verse 8, it says, don't leave Jerusalem, but actually receive power to be my witness. Again, as a church, we're called to go into all the world. We're called to to make disciples. We're called to be a light in the darkness. But actually, in ourselves, we have nothing to offer. My enthusiasm falls short. I only have so much. But it's the Spirit of God in me that gives me a power, a dynamite, that's explosive when the Spirit comes and moves in and through us. Again, even when we look at the book of Acts, and, and Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he stands up and he speaks, Howard alluded, I shared this earlier, something happens. Now, if you read it just in the text, just the text, well, okay, if I were to just read that, would 3,000 people get saved? May, maybe not. But what it was accompanied, it was accompanied with power. There was a power to the words. It cut them to the, the bone, to the core. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does when, when we're moving in the power of the Spirit. Actually, what we speak, the power to witness is actually what we share. Doesn't it's just not lifeless words, but there's something of substance to what we profess. When we're speaking to someone in our jobs or in our workplaces or neighbors, when we share that thought, that word, do you know what that word has power to cut right through all the rubbish. To hit the heart. It's not us. It's not a clever idea that we had to share that right thing. So many people, we, we hear stories of our testimonies. That person said this one thing and just, I couldn't, I couldn't let that, it's just something happened. What was that? That was the power of the Spirit moving through the voice of the person giving, giving it. You see, the Holy Spirit also gives us the power to put to death the misdeeds of the body. Romans 8, 2. Again, we can't overcome sin. We can't overcome our own short, um, our, our own failures and our own strength. But actually, the Spirit gives us the power to put to death the things that we need to. We receive the Spirit of adoption as children. That we receive this understanding that actually, you know what, I'm not an orphan, but actually when I come to Christ, His Spirit puts in me this understanding that I now belong to Him. Without the Holy Spirit, well, what do we have? We have religion. But with the Spirit, we have intimacy. Right? Can I just say, we're a church that believes in the intimacy of the Spirit. This isn't religion. This isn't lifeless religion. But actually, the Spirit comes and brings a closeness that we can actually cry out, Abba, Father. Why? Because there's an understanding in my heart that I'm His. He's mine. I... I have this communion with now. He's not separated. There's not a, 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 a chasm between me and Him, but actually His Spirit draws me close to His heart. Wow. This is the Spirit. The Spirit brings us into a, a realm of life and freedom. Again, 2 Corinthians 7, 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's Freedom. Freedom to become all that God wants us to be. Freedom to walk in our destiny. The Spirit gives us this freedom to kind of stretch our wings and become the people He wants us to be. Man's ideas will not do that. Hobbies won't do that. Not religion won't do that. But the Spirit of God will do that. The Spirit of God will quicken something in us and bring a freedom that nothing else in this world can offer. This is not something we can work for. This is something that's just given. He gives gifts of the Spirit for the common good. We see in 1 Corinthians 12, again, gifts are not things we work for, but actually God wants to impart something supernatural. And when we look at this, understanding that if the God of the universe is dwelling in me and I am embodying His Spirit... Something supernatural should happen, do you not think? If I were to say that the Spirit of God has given me this ability to play football, would you not expect me to play a bit better than everyone else? Yes? I'm filled with the Spirit of God to play football. Well, actually, um, now if I were to play football, you would see that's not true. <laughs> really not true. I think when we went to Albania... A couple trips ago and um, it was it was comical because they we did a men's match and they put me on one of the teams and assuming that because every man plays football that I could play football and these guys about three or four of the adult men playing were like professional footballers and they were playing aggressive and I mean I can't even I can't do anything really Pretty soon, nobody was passing the ball to me. (laughs) It doesn't take long before they get the idea there's no ability in this young man. So football was not my sport, though I don't know what was. Um, The point being is that when the Spirit of God comes in our lives, supernatural things start to happen or should happen because God is there. And God isn't moving in the realm of the natural or just the ordinary, but He moves in the realm of the supernatural. And the gifts of the Spirit are the realm of the supernatural. I can't put on a gift or just a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or healing people. I can't do that. But the gift is given not just for me to be built up, but actually for the common good that the whole church moves in this realm of His Spirit. Again, can I just say as a church, we believe in the moving and the Holy Spirit in our midst. I don't believe that actually the gifts of the Spirit though are just for the church. But we see a precedence even in the book of Acts. The gifts of the Spirit are used outside the church. In the, in the kind of the normal realms of society, the gifts can be used. Words of knowledge can be used in, in places of work. Praying for healing actually can work outside the church. We don't need to only have altar time to have healing, but actually we see it happening on the streets in the book of Acts. How crazy is that? And so the Holy Spirit gives us gifts that are for the common good. We also have fruit that comes out of our lives when we're surrendered to the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these things are, are, are evident to the world around us because the Spirit of God is at work in us. Not because we're trying to do these things, but we're just giving way to the Spirit, and it happens. He helps us pray, Ephesians six eighteen. when we looked at this a few weeks ago when Robin shared. He convicts people of sin in John 16. The Holy Spirit does this so much. We could just keep going on and on about how much the Holy Spirit does. Can I tell you what? We need the Spirit of God. And as a church, we, we believe this is a part of our, a cornerstone of, of the church that we move in the things of the Holy Spirit. We can put a lot of effort. We can put a lot of creative ideas into all sorts of different things. But if God's spirit isn't moving in our midst, man, it's going to be lifeless. We need God's spirit. You need God's spirit. Yes, he's at work in the regeneration of our lives to become more like him. He's part of that process from day one. But he then says, I want you to be filled with my spirit. I want you to be uh, baptized in my spirit. I, I want you to be completely engulfed in my spirit. There needs to be more than just that thing that happened when you gave your life to Jesus. There needs to be a continual filling of your lives. Our response to this comes to this place of invitation. You know it's amazing that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He waits for our response. He waits for us to say, "Okay, do you know what? I'm looking for this. I'm, I'm hungry. I, I want." This whole this verse in Luke talks about asking and it'll be given, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, who everyone seeks finds, him who knocks the door will be opened. And then it goes on. Jesus goes on to talk about the Spirit Verse 11, it says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If, you, if then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, he's, this whole passage of Scripture is talking about seeking, pressing in. But ultimately, he's in this context of seeking the Spirit of God, saying, God, we, we're hungry for more of your Spirit. There's an invitation that God is looking for even in our lives. Of saying, God, I-, I want more of you. I want more of your spirit. I believe that we're like containers that can have increased capacity for his spirit. I believe that. I believe that five years ago, I may have moved less in the spirit than today. Because over time, God increases my capacity for more of him. But for me, my responsibility is to continue to be asking. You can say, well, five years ago or ten years ago or last week I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Spirit. So I'm good to go. Actually, you're not good to go. You started a process that was only the entry line. You tapped into a source that needs to continue to be tapped into. I liken it to a cup with holes in it. God fills our cup, but we just leak out. We got cracks in our lives, we got situations, and we need continually this filling so that when situations come, when problems come, and we would leak something, we're leaking the Holy Spirit. Spirit is coming out of us, but every time we we face the new day, we need more of His Spirit. And I encourage you that as a church and as individuals, that we would continually come back to this place of saying, God, I need you. I'm going to keep seeking for more of Your Spirit. I'm going to keep asking that You would come and move in my life, through my life. I need a fresh anointing, a fresh touch from You in my situation, in my workplace, in my relationships. I need an anointing upon You, upon my life. I need a filling of Your Spirit. Again, do you know what the difference between the Holy Spirit and Satan is? Satan comes to steal; he comes to invade. But with God, He says, I, He calls us to seek. We're the one in pursuit. Now, He's got good gifts. He says, I want to pour out my spirit. I, 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 I want to give it to you, but He's looking for an appetite on our part. Those who are thirsty, those who are hungry, will receive. I hope we don't live a good enough life in a sense that we're, sat, we're satisfied with just what we've got. But may there be a hunger. Maybe we hunger in our church to say, God, we want to see more. We're hungry for more of your Spirit to to move in our midst. And so there's an invitation, but then there's also simply being in. and, And Robin talked about this a few weeks back, about being in His presence. Revelation 1.10 says, on the Lord's day, this is John speaking. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. And I heard behind me the loud voice like a trumpet. And then he goes on to the rest of What we read in Revelation. What we see? He was just in the Spirit. But what does this look like? You know, I believe it takes time to just encounter Him. And so there's an invitation that God is looking for. That we'd invite Him to become and be evident and moving in our lives. But there's also a space that we need to give Him to just be in Him. And so He is in us. But we also need to be in Him. And it seems almost contradictory in terms. But there's this realm that God wants to move where we just... Rest in His presence. We just soak it in. Again, Robin talking, oh, I love that illustration or, or what he does. Just sitting there and just resting in God. Okay, God, I need to hear from you. Just, just waiting. In our services, we take time to just be in His presence. You know, it's in these moments of stillness before the Lord that we're just in Him. Revelation comes. John received the revelation from the Lord because he was in his spirit. It wasn't because he was going through scriptures and scrolls and trying to find some new creative idea to write a book about. But it says, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. And in the spirit, God began to speak and reveal. You know, for many of us, we we can flounder in life trying to make sense out of nonsense. And God just wants us to be in His Spirit. And I've often said, you know, one word from the Lord, one revelation from the Lord, one thought from the Lord can change the circumstance completely. That's why the Holy Spirit's our counselor. He leads us into that revelation, that place of truth, that whatever we're going through, if I can just take time to be in His presence, do you know what? If I receive a word from the Lord... You know what? That can hold me steadfast through everything else because I know I've heard from him. It's powerful. I tell you what, I've gone into prayer, t- trying of prayer, not knowing what the future is to hold, I- being concerned, being anxious, and God just speaks a word, one word, and suddenly, oh, rest. <laughs> Guys, we need to be a church, even in our Sunday services, that we allow the Spirit just to speak. In stillness and quietness, I know we have a band, and sometimes it's loud and it's difficult. But you know what? It, I, it's always a priority for me, and I say to everyone else as Lee, we need to always take time that we just have an opportunity to let God speak. It, this isn't just about us doing our thing as our tradition, but we need to allow the Lord to speak into us. And that's been when we're talking about being a spirit-led church or a spirit-filled church. We have to give room to the Spirit, and if God speaks then we need to be able to listen to that. And again, I think God speaks. Sometimes it's a word for ourselves personally, but then also in collectively, God can speak to all of our hearts a word for the rest of the body. What's amazing is the gift of prophecy is not given to just the pastor or to the leader of the church. In fact, I get frustrated often that, God, why aren't you speaking to me? A word of prophecy. But you know, I think God purposely wants to use the whole body He hasn't given one person all the gifts to be the superstar of the church that everyone watches and claps and think, wow, what a great guy. But actually, he he said, I've given it to all for the common good. God wants to use your life in the gifts. But it also takes us being willing to be in the spirit to be able to flow in the spirit. It's very difficult, I think, to hear a prophetic word or to move in that realm if we don't tune in to the frequencies of heaven. And I know in my own life, I can be so busy in my head and there's a a thought process I need to go through to tune my heart into God's, to allow Him to speak to me. If I'm thinking my own thoughts, it's very difficult for God to intervene, but He speaks and He reveals in the stillness, in the quiet place. And so we need to invite, we need to be in, but then we also need to give way to In Galatians 5.25, it says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's almost like a dance. We need to give way to Him, and He leads the dance. If I'm going to live by the Spirit, then I'm going to say, God, you you take the lead, and I'm just going to go with you. And it becomes something beautiful. It becomes something amazing. Letting Him empower us from the inside out, moving in the, the new life He has to offer us. We are a church that desires to encounter the Holy Spirit. But it requires ultimately a willingness on our part to give way to Him. And say, Okay, hey God, do you know what? Today, not our will be done, but your will be done. Every time we pray in the morning before the service, it is always my prayer every Sunday. God, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, we want to give way to you. We want to give way to your spirit because your spirit has something far greater than we could ever do in our own. Jesus wants to move in your life, and he's given all the resources of heaven for that to happen. But he's looking for our response to say, God, I I, I want that. I'm hungry for that. I want to flow in that. This morning, we want to give opportunity for that to happen. Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.